Today we will explain the offseason ahead on the Locked On Jets podcast. You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Jets podcast for Monday, January 17th, Martin Luther King Day 2022. I'm your host, John B. from GangGreenNation.com, and thank you for making this show your first listen each day. Well, over the weekend, five more teams joined the Jets in off-season mode. There will be another team, either the Rams or the Cardinals, tonight as Wild Card Weekend closes out. And today I wanted to take the show in a bit of a different direction. This is not going to be a Jets-specific show. It's going to be an explainer about the NFL offseason, because I'm sure you hear many terms over the course of the offseason. You may not be entirely sure what they mean. And for some of you, this show may not be all that interesting, because you may know all of this. But I wanted, before we really go into offseason mode and begin discussing in detail the situation facing the Jets this offseason, I wanted to explain what some of the key terms of the offseason mean. Now, the calendar in the NFL is a little bit different than the one you're used to. The NFL year does not run January 1st through December 31st. The NFL year runs March to March. So prior to the beginning of the new league year, you don't see any transactions. You don't see any free agents changing teams. And even if teams work out trades, they're allowed to work out the parameters of trades. But They are not allowed to execute those trades until the new league year officially begins. And it's always at some point in March. There's no specific day. Each year, the specific day of the new league year is different. But it's a very important part of the NFL calendar because that's the point teams can begin signing free agents and officially executing trades. However, you do see some movement this time of year, even from teams that have been eliminated like the Jets. You may be reading about how the Jets may have signed certain players to reserve future contracts. So what's a reserve future contract? Well, this goes back to the concept of the league year. And depending on where you're at in the league year, the roster limits may be different. Between the beginning of the new league year and cut-down day at the end of training camp, teams are allowed to have 90 players on their roster. However, between cut-down day and the end of the league year, you're only allowed to have 53 players on your roster. But teams like the Jets want to begin stocking their roster for training camp next year. So this is where a concept called the reserve future contract comes into play. And if you're a team and your season's over, you're allowed to sign players to reserve future deals. What does that mean? It essentially means you're signing them for training camp next year. And the reason it's called a future deal is that you're signing them to a contract that begins at the beginning of the next league year. Because again, we're still at the phase, we're past cut down day. The season's still technically going on for a lot of teams. So the current roster limit in the NFL is 53 players. But you can sign players to a future contract so that they'll be part of your 90-man roster when the next league year begins, and you can sign these players to go to training camp. Now, who's eligible to sign one of these contracts? Well, essentially anybody who's not under contract to a team right now. So a player who's a free agent. And that also goes for practice squad players because... Your practice squad ends once your season's over. So any player who's on your practice squad is automatically a free agent and totally unsigned. So if you want a player on your practice squad to come to training camp next year, you can sign them to a reserve future deal. If you want any player who's not signed right now to sign 
to your training camp roster next year. You sign them to a reserve future deal. It doesn't need to be on your practice squad this year. So if you see a player signed to a reserve future contract, that's what it means. It means he's signing for a future year. He's signing to be on training camp in the next league year. And this is so that teams don't have to wait till March to begin stocking their training camp rosters. Now let's talk a little bit about free agency. And for most players, free agency begins in March, because if you have an expiring contract, technically it does not expire until the end of the league year in March. But again, if you're a free agent right now, if you do not have a contract right now, you can sign with any team. And this could come into play at some point in the weeks ahead, because you may see some player gets cut. If you are cut, that means you do not have a contract with a team. And that means you can sign with anybody. So a veteran player who's a big name, if he gets cut, he does not need to wait till March to sign with a new team because he's not under contract. Whereas a player with an expiring contract, let's just say hypothetically Devontae Adams, he needs to wait because technically he's still under contract. He'll be under contract after the Packers season ends because his contract does not expire until the new league year begins. So that's another thing to keep in mind. You may wonder why one player is eligible to negotiate now and another player has to wait until March. That's the reason. If you're cut, you're not under contract, so you can sign with anybody. If your contract's expiring, it doesn't expire until the new league here. And that's when you have to wait to become a free agent. Now, let's talk free agency. There are three types of free agency in the NFL. The first is the simplest, and that is unrestricted free agency. And this all comes down to how much time you have spent in the NFL. If you have spent more, four or more years in the NFL and your contract expires, you become what's known as an unrestricted free agent. And that's pretty simple. That means you're free to sign with any other team. There are zero restrictions. And if you negotiate a deal with another team and you sign with them, you go to that team. The second type of free agency in the NFL is called restricted free agency. And this is for players with three years of experience in the league. And as the name would indicate, there are restrictions on what they can do. If you are a restricted free agent and you have played three years in the NFL, your original team has some rights over you, and they can offer you a one-year contract, which is known as a tender. Now, if they choose not to offer you that one-year contract, you become an unrestricted free agent. You can sign with any other team, no restrictions on you. But if your original team offers you that one-year contract, that means that your original team can match an offer you sign with a new team. So essentially, if you're a restricted free agent and your original team offers you that one-year contract, you're still free to go out and seek offers from other teams. In fact, you can agree to an offer from another team. However, your original team has the right to match that offer and will retain you at that exact same deal that you signed with the other team. Now, there are different types of one-year contracts because depending on how much money they offer you in the one-year contract, your original team may also be entitled to compensation if they choose not to match a deal you sign with a new team. So there's one level of a one-year contract at a certain salary where your original team only has the right to match the contract. And if they choose not to match, they get nothing in return. They can also offer you a one-year contract for a little bit more money. And in that case, they retain the right to match any offer you sign with a new team. And if they choose not to match that offer, the new team has to give them a second round pick for compensation. And then there's yet another level, a one-year contract offer that's worth a little bit more money still. And if the new team offers you a deal and your original team decides not to match, the new team has to give your original team a first-round pick. So those are the restrictions. And in many instances, putting 
giving you the contract offer that would require a second round pick or a first round pick in compensation essentially scares other teams off from negotiating with you because they don't want to give up a second round pick or a first round pick to negotiate with you. That's all part of the game of restricted free agency. And then for players with less than three years of experience in the NFL, you're what's known as an exclusive rights free agent. And these, these are typically players who are undrafted free agents, guys who were signed off the practice squad, because if you're a draft pick, typically you get a four-year contract as a rookie contract. So you're not going to become an exclusive rights free agent if you were a draft pick, because you already have a four-year contract. You're not going to become a free agent your first year or two in the NFL. And exclusive rights free agents, essentially, if your original team offers you a contract, you got to take it. You don't have any other rights. You can't go anywhere else. Now, if your original team does not offer you a contract, again, you become an unrestricted free agent. You can sign wherever you want. But as an exclusive rights free agent, when you have less than three years of experience in the NFL, essentially, if your original team offers you a contract, your only alternative to not accepting it is to not play in the NFL. You have to go play in the CFL. You have to go play in another league. You have to leave the game of football. If you want to play in the NFL and you're an exclusive rights free agent and your original team offers you a contract, that's it. I mean, that's the team you got to play for. And you got to accept the contract. So those are the basics of free agency. Now, ahead here on the Lockdown Jets podcast, I'm going to explain some of the basic implications of the salary cap. Now, anybody looking for a big free agent contract has proven that they're among the best players in the NFL. And Built Bar is the best protein bar on the market. It is the new year, and that means New Year's resolutions. And if yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure to include Built Bar in your plan. Because Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. And Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good you'll want to eat it. Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. And most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Just compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. And there are so many different flavors to choose from, and they're all delicious. Coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, raspberry, cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie, and many more. In fact, Built Bar is always coming out with new limited time flavors. So check Built.com often to see what's new. And go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15. If you do that, you'll get 15% off your order. Again, it's promo code LOCKED15. It's one word with no space. L-O-C-K-E-D number one, number five for 15% off at Built. B-U-I-L-T dot com. Thanks again for making Locked On Jets your first listen every day. Today, I'm trying to explain the NFL offseason to put things in simple terms. And in this segment, I'm going to discuss the salary cap. I think it's one of the most complicated, least approachable aspects of following the NFL. And I'm going to do my best to try and put it into simple terms that hopefully you'll be able to understand. So what does a player's salary cap hit comprise? Well, first of all, it's based on the player's base salary. So if you have a base salary of $10 million a year, that's part of it. But there are other things that get added to it. One of the things that gets added to it are incentives. So you add a player's base salary to incentives that are considered likely to be earned. But beyond that, you also have to add in bonus money. And bonus money is paid to a player. Most of the time, it's in the form of what's called a signing bonus, which is exactly what it sounds like. A team is giving you money just for signing with them. And typically, that money is paid pretty quickly. That's part of the negotiation is when the signing bonus money is paid. But generally speaking, it's paid up front very quickly after the player signs. 
So let's say I give you a $10 million signing bonus to sign with my team, and it's a contract over five years. You typically will get that $10 million in full up front. Again, that's part of the negotiation. Maybe I negotiate to pay it to you a little bit down the line, but let's just say for the sake of argument, we agree. I'm giving you $10 million up front. Let's say it's a five-year contract. You get the $10 million in cash now, but the $10 million does not all count against the cap this year. When it comes to signing bonus money, that is spread equally over the life of the contract. So let's say it's a five-year contract and I give you a $10 million signing bonus. Again, you're getting $10 million from me right now, but it's counted against the cap evenly over the entire life of the deal. So a five-year contract, $10 million signing bonus, that means year one, two million, two million counts against the cap. Year two, two million counts against the cap. Year three, two million counts against the cap. Year four, two million. Year five, two million. And that's the case with every one of these deals. The signing bonus money is spread out equally over the life of the contract. So your base salary plus incentives that are likely to be earned plus whatever signing bonus money counts for that year. That's a player's cap number. However, because that money is already paid to you, it's got to eventually count against the cap. So if I cut you, that signing bonus money is still going to count against the cap even if you're not on the team down the line. And that's what's known as dead money. But there's a catch. If I cut you today, then all signing bonus money that has not already counted against the cap counts against our cap total this year. So what does that mean? Let's say after one year of this contract, this hypothetical contract, I decide to cut you. Okay, well, in year one of the contract, $2 million of that signing bonus money counted against the cap. So that $2 million is done. So that means there's still $8 million in signing bonus money that has not counted against the cap. That full $8 million is now your cap number for this year. And that's dead money because you're not on the team. Again, we're one year into the deal, $10 million signing bonus, the signing bonus counts $2 million a year each of the five years. We're one year into the deal, so the first $2 million has already counted against your cap total last year. There's $8 million left. You now have $8 million in dead money, which essentially means you count $8 million against the cap to not play on the team this year. And why would the team cut a player if they owe $8 million in dead money? Well, the player's cap number may be $10 million if they're on the team. So if you think about it, if your cap number is eight, uh, $10 million if you're on the team, and it's $8 million in dead money to not be on the team, well, that's a saving of $2 million to cut you. And if you're really not a very good player, if you, this contract has not worked out at all, if you've been a total bust in free agency, I might say, you know what, even though it's going to be $8 million in dead money, I'm still saving $2 million because it's $10 million against the cap if you're on the team and only $8 million if you're not. But this is also something to remember when free agent deals are worked out, because sometimes you'll see a breakdown and you'll say, oh, well, after two year, after one year, it'll save me $2 million to cut you. So it's not really that big of a risk. Well, it's $2 million in savings because it's a cost of $8 million to cut you versus $10 million for you to be on the team. So if I have to pay you $8 million to not be on the team, it's not a very good deal for me. It just might be a worse deal to pay you $10 million to be on the team. That's something to keep in mind. And when you hear people talk about how when a contract is initially made, don't look at the money, look at the structure, that's what they're talking about. Because if you have a contract with a big signing bonus, it's very risky for the team because that means that you're at risk for a lot of dead money if it doesn't work out. Whereas if there's not a big signing bonus, if it's just base salary that's not guaranteed, yeah, you may have a $12 million salary for next year, but if none of it's guaranteed, I can cut you and get out of the deal. So that's something that's very important to keep in mind. 
And that's why you may hear people say, don't focus on the money exclusively, also focus on the structure of the deal, because deals with heavy bonus money are much more difficult to get out of. They're much more painful if they don't work out than deals which just have base salary, which don't have signing bonuses. So hopefully that explained things a little bit better. I know the salary cap's a very difficult thing to understand. There are lots of nuances, lots of gray areas. But ahead here on the Locked On Jets podcast, we'll close out the show and I'll talk about the franchise and transition tags and what they mean. You know, as you're watching the playoffs, you may see plenty of potential free agents who could interest the Jets, and you may see some games where you want to get in on the action. And Bet Online would like to wish you a happy betting new year as we continue the march through the playoffs. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. With a new year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today, receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit just using promo code LOCKED ON to get underway. Again, that's promo code locked on. It's one word with no space, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Going beyond football, there's also basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC, and your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022, because Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. This is the Locked On Jets podcast on this Monday, talking about the NFL offseason, and we're going to close out the show today by talking about the franchise tag and the transition tag. Now, every year, each NFL team has the option to use either the franchise tag or the transition tag on one player who's about to hit free agency, and this is a player the team has not been able to agree to terms with on a new contract. And essentially, these tags give the team's rights over the, the player that they choose. The franchise tag is more restrictive. If the team if a team puts a franchise tag on a player, that player's pretty much stuck and the player gets a 1-year contract worth the average of the top 5 salaries at his position. And the player doesn't really have any options. There are two different types of franchise tag. There's the exclusive franchise tag, which means the player cannot negotiate with any other team, and there's also the non-exclusive franchise tag. Now the non-exclusive franchise tag in theory, allows the player to negotiate with other teams. And the salary the player gets is a little bit less because instead of it being the top five salaries, an average at his position of the previous year, it's an average of the top five salaries at his position over the previous five years. And it's not exclusive. The player under the non-exclusive tag can negotiate with other teams. However, he essentially becomes like a restricted free agent in that if he agrees to terms on a contract with another team his original team has the right to match that deal and if the team the original team chooses not to match the deal they are entitled to two first round picks from the new team so at a price of two first round picks even if a player's on the non-exclusive franchise tag he's going to have a tough time finding a new team willing to negotiate a new deal with him because most players are not worth giving up two first round picks to get so in reality the the non-exclusive franchise tag even though the player technically can negotiate with another team, they're not going to find many takers because the new team's going to have to, first of all, give a deal to the player enticing enough to get the old team to not match. And second of all, even if the old team doesn't match, the new team's going to have to give up two first round picks. So in reality, either franchise tag prevents the player from hitting the open market. There's also the transition tag. Now, if a player receives the transition tag, they get a one-year contract worth the average of the top 10 salaries at his position. However, the player is, again, free to negotiate with other teams. The original team has the right to match any offer the player negotiates with a new team. However, if the old team does not match 
the offer a new team gives a player, the old team gets no compensation. So it makes the transition tag much less valuable. It makes the transition tag much less of an impediment to a player signing with a new team. And that's why you see teams use the franchise tag more than the transition tag. You're not really saving much money on the transition tag, but you lose a lot of rights because the player signs with a new team, you get no compensation. All you get is the right to match the offer the player signs with the new team. So the transition tag's not as effective. And again, you can use either the franchise tag or the transition tag each year. You can't use both. So it's very rare that you see the transition tag used. When you see it used, it's typically because the team's really in a salary cap crunch and they can't afford the franchise tag total. You know, there are some other examples, but it's why you see the franchise tag much used much more frequently than the transition tag. But the franchise tag is a very valuable tool to have as an NFL team because if you have a player you feel like you can't afford to lose, it can prevent that player from hitting free agency. And that's one of the reasons free agency is so difficult to do well in the NFL because the truly great players, if their team can't reach a new contract with them, they're going to get the franchise tag. And not only that, just the threat of the franchise tag incentivizes you to re-sign with your team. The franchise tag is kind of like a last resort. It's not the type of thing that either side really wants. Because if you're a team and you've got a great player, you want to make sure he signed for the long term. You don't want to have to do this year to year, worry, you know, worry about what you're going to do next year. You want certainty. If you're a player, you can usually get, if you're a great player, you can usually get a lot more guaranteed money in a long-term contract than you would under the franchise tag. Now, again, you're still getting a top five salary under the franchise tag, so nobody should be crying for you, but it's a tough situation. The other aspect of the franchise tag is that if the franchise tag rate is less than a 20% raise of your current salary, you instead just get a 20% raise. So that's another thing to keep in mind with the franchise tag. But hopefully this helped explain some of the key terms of the offseason. You may have not been familiar with them. Maybe you were familiar with them. Hopefully this was just a good refresher. And hopefully as we move into the offseason, maybe you understand the way things work a little bit better. Anyway, that's all for our show today. Thank you for listening. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, if you enjoy the show, subscribe to it and leave it a good review. Have a great Monday, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow to talk more Jets.